Besides that, I avoid watching the evening news in Chicago, which is truly like being a kid, a passenger in a in a station wagon driving through hell as you watch the just collapse of society. Right. This week was a light week. Twenty seven shot. Only one dead. How many paraplegics? I don't know. How many quadriplegics? I don't know. How much is the bill? We don't know that either. And that's just. The, the, the big headlines, the little headlines, they sneak by. But this one, this one in particular over the weekend, this ha- I have a little personal connection to this. I'm going to tell you what it is after you hear. There are a total of nine victims, some of them held up at gunpoint. The others were punched, kicked and shoved to the ground. Chicago police took four teens into custody. Oh, they are teens. potential suspects who are 13 and 14 years old. But police say the victims could not be certain these teens were the robbers. In the 1300 block of North Astor, two men held up a couple unloading things from their car. They took a tote bag before getting into a waiting Jeep. It was one in a string of robberies in a four-hour span. I don't think it's a coincidence. No, I don't think it's a coincidence. I think it must have been uh, a group that set out to do that. Of course, of course. They come into a neighborhood like this, they'll rob people, and then they're going to be in Lincoln Park or somewhere else. All eight incidents happened Sunday evening in the 18th Police District on the near north side. The robberies happened on Wabash, Dickens, North Park, and Astor. Police then reported four more robberies on Clark Division, Eugenie, and Dayton. The spree began just after 5 when a woman was walking on the 400 block of North Wabash. Two men punched her in the face and stole her purse. Men wearing ski masks grabbed her. That woman that got punched in the face, that's Bunny. I'm going to tell you about that. I have a nephew who's a Chicago policeman married into my family. Fantastic kid. Solid as, as could be. Three kids of his own. He has a wonderful family. And at the family parties, you get to meet his family. So this has been going on, you know, 10 years. He has an aunt, Bunny. She is the sweetest woman you could imagine. She can't be more than five foot two and 105 pounds. All she does is work and care about her family. These punks went up to her cold out of nowhere and broke her nose at least. She may have cheekbone damage and everything else. And they, she wouldn't give up the purse, so they gave her another little couple slaps, took the purse. These are 13 and 14-year-old kids, right? And you know what's going to happen to these kids? Absolutely nothing. And the next time that there is a uh, teacher's strike, these 13 and 14-year-old little angels will be used as weapons against us. And in the meantime, the problems that are happening and the way in which this is just creeping through the entire climate, it isn't about the city of Chicago. It's about the collapse of society as far as I'm concerned. And I know, what, what do you, it, the rates are down. What, what's the new thing that these, these con men tell you? Oh, the shootings are down 20%. Really? Well, you still got, what, 580 of them? Yeah, but they're down 20, 40%. And in the meantime, any time that they want to, they use... These people who are victims and perpetrators as weapons against all of us. And not a one politician has a solution of how to make it at least slow down. Because what I'm recognizing is it's speeding up. And do you know the ramifications of this translate into the, into the destruction of all of our assets? Did you know, for instance, in there, Venus, Michigan Avenue, you remember Michigan Avenue? This is about the time of year all the parents, when I was a kid, they, they tell you, come on, let's go see the Christmas lights. You go on a little trip and you go in the city, get your hot chocolate, whatever it is. 29% of Michigan Avenue storefronts, 29% are vacant. Vacant. So see, what happens is this failure feeds on itself. And it collapses a society. And the answer isn't to just pay 18000 per little darling angel who's punching 105-pound women in the face and taking their purse. That's not the answer. The answer has to be something different. I don't have the answer. Because what, what, I, what I do recognize is all we keep doing is funding failure. 
And the more it fails, the more money it gets, the more power it gets. And the more people like Bunny get punched in the face. You know the, you know the stones it takes to punch somebody in the face cold? I've been enough. I don't even know how many fights. You got to get kind of heated up. You got to really want to punch that guy in the face. You know the caliber of character it takes to walk up to a 50-something-year-old, 5-foot-2, 105-pound woman and punch her in the face enough to break her nose and God knows what else she did to her? You know the kind of character and, 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 and of your own being you have to have, how low it is? Now, what is it? What, at what point do we say there should be repercussions and consequences for these actions? Because the reality is these kids, nothing's going to happen. Not a damn thing. Except they're going to get more free stuff. And they're going to be used as weapons against all of us, even Bunny herself. I'm telling you right now, it's disgusting to me. Now, we could turn the blind eye. We could. And I do. Let me be very clear. Happiest 5 o'clock of my afternoon is either when I'm doing the Slap and Tickle Chicago drive time or I'm walking on the beach in Naples, Florida. That's it. Because the reality of the kind of socialist implosion and failure that we live in and we keep funding. Couldn't help but notice during the news. What did little Lori Lightfoot? Let's just call her Littlefoot. What did Littlefoot get a 25% kicker of her office? Get to hire her friends? Yeah, go get me coffee, honey. And their budgets keep going up. Your taxes keep going up. And the crime keeps going up. And the failure keeps going up. And your property value keeps going down. Your income keeps getting smaller. We keep losing the damn arguments. And the answer certainly isn't to just pretend it doesn't happen. And it certainly isn't to get another talking mannequin on Channel 5 O'Clock News with, uh, with makeup on her face to tell you in a good cheery light, hey, 27 people got shot, only one died. Are you listening to what's happening? You're 600 people a year get shot and that's an improvement? Ooh, wonderful. You know, maybe we need another program where you tax the good citizens like Bunny. Maybe you need another program where you tax the workers or the earners. And maybe what these people need to stop punching people in the face, just a little more walking around cash. That's all. That's all. A little more walking around cash. Maybe they need uh, uh, their teachers to make more money a year. Maybe they need more days off. Maybe they, maybe they just need a little better pension system. Hmm? I'll tell you what. What if we took all the pensions away and we gave it to these kids? Why don't we start there? Instead of starting with the people that are the victims. Because all you have under this particular climate, I can't help but, but, uh, but recognize, it's, uh, it's you're doubling down on the victims. The victim is the one that's taxed. The victim is the one that's robbed. The victim is the one whose fault it is, if you listen to the politicians. It's our fault that this happened, right? There's not enough social justice. What is the social justice that happens to the woman that gets her nose broken for no reason other than working and going to her car? Anyone want to talk about that social justice? Or no, we need prison reform then. And then we need a couple of bureaucrats to not persecute people, prosecute, people who steal under $1,000 or punch people in the face. Because let me tell you, if, is that legal now? Can we do the punching in the face? Because I got some punching I want to do too. Or no, 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 I bet something tells me I'll get prosecuted. Pros- throw the book at him. See that guy punch him in the face? 312-642-5600. Steve, how are you, buddy? Hey, hey, Sean, good. You know, I talk to my brother-in-laws all the time. John Q. Public doesn't have the stomach for what needs to be done to these people. They will stop at nothing. They will stomp on you, kick your head, do anything they want to you with all impunity because, you know what, they believe in what they're doing. And these people are, are ruthless. Steve, let me and, tell you something right now. I'm not casting. I'm not somebody who's, a, who's an angel. Listen to me. I, I grew up in Morris Park. I've been in a couple few fights myself. I've thrown a couple of shoes. I understand how it goes. I'm from the south side. I understand how it goes. And, and, and I'm not better than anybody. But will I, what I will say is I've never been rewarded for that. I've never been rewarded. Right. I've never been portrayed as a victim. And my family hasn't ever gotten more money because I did that. They were right. You know, they, they recognize and reward crime in Chicago with more community grants and more programs and more this and that, all at the taxpayer's expense. So crime does pay in Chicago. It's out- it absolutely does. It's outrageous, Steve. And you know what the answer is? But we don't want to do it. Penalize the crime. Take all their little names. You, 13, 14. My offer to you is this. Nothing. Now you get thrown out of school. Now you're ineligible for any kind of social benefits. No welfare, no Section 8, no nothing. 
And until you start penalizing behavior, you're going to keep getting more. And the more we, we, we just continue to reward it. We are rewarding this kind of behavior. And God knows what's going to happen to this woman. She's not a, she's a woman, for God's sakes, punched in the face. She's going to have who knows what for the rest of her life. Headaches, breathing problems. What's the difference? And you know what? She's a footnote to a footnote. And so are these other victims, the other eight of them, nine in total. They're footnotes to footnotes. And in the meantime, the perpetrators, they keep getting rewarded. It's a disgraceful, disgraceful system. And it, it, it can only br- bring you to one conclusion. What, what's going to change if you stay and keep paying? 312-642-5600. We will be back after this. So I got him, the show's over. To the other side of the cantina. I asked the guy why he's so fly. He said, funky Comadina. First off, who hasn't been in financial problems? Struggled, not pay? I, that's, congratulations, you describe every year. Who hasn't been stressed? And It's a character flaw. To look at somebody and say, you got it, I'm going to take it. It's a character flaw when you want your government to do it. And it's a character flaw when you have the animosity towards that person or a stranger to violently attack them. It is not something, in my opinion, that should be rewarded. And it is certainly not something you can fix by throwing money at it. But yet those are the only two things we do here. And no one is saying, how do we stop it? And how do we stop it soon? I mean, Chicago is, it's a shame. I told you before, I used to be proud I grew up here. I used to be proud of the city. Proud of the fact it was, a, it, it was a bastion of capitalism. It had the markets. It had successful people. It had innovation. It had doctors. It used to be something to be proud of. Look at what has happened to it in the last 30 years. It's just disgraceful. The scariest thing your kid can say is, uh, Dad, I'm going to Chicago tonight. Chuck. Thanks for calling the show. How are you, buddy? Yeah, hey, John. Good show. Uh, yeah, well, there's one more thing, too. Listening to the crimes. You know, when they uh, propose that, what, if it's a thousand hours or less, it's not a felony, and they won't even prosecute, the thugs are just adding the salt and battery in it. You know, and they figure they're going to get off for it scot free, and that's true. But these politicians, you know, and the prison, the prison population going down because of this, though. The vi- they ain't putting nobody well, in sure, prison. because they're more interested in cooking the stats. That's what our government has become. They're more interested in cooking the statistics than addressing the actual issues. That's the one bipartisan thing that these guys can agree on. So they love pointing to those stats and say, well, we, you know, we've, we've decreased the, uh, the convicts in prison, so therefore everything is great. And in the meantime, people are getting knocked out, getting robbed, and the crime that's happening as the community is imploding increases. So what did they do? They raised the bar of where it's a crime. So what you've done is you've given the, the, the benefit, you've given the virtue to the perpetrator instead of the victim. It's crazy to me what's happening, and it's sickening. And you know what else, Chuck? It's, a, it's an indication of if you're a lawful citizen, if you're a law-abiding person, you either have two dis- choices. You can roll over and be a victim, or you can move on. Thanks, Chuck, for calling the show. I do appreciate it. All right, let's go to Scott. Scott on the west side. How are you, buddy? Hey, Sean, thanks for taking my call. Um, Sean, for a long time I've thought that one of the things that we need to do is take away the government benefits from people that are committing crimes, all kinds of crimes. And one of the first things that they should do is take away the Section 8 housing, especially if they're committing crimes from that housing. And if you're going to give it to Section 8 housing, have, have barriers of, of restrictions on behavior. You realize it's, it's only when you do that, because after all, when we have our, our housing that we pay for, aren't we restricted on our behavior? I have to go and pay for things or I lose them. I am amazed at the way our society has split off to where we ask nothing. We have such low expectations for people. We ask nothing of them. And we give them everything so that they live like the rest of us who work very hard. And we wonder why the character of our nation is collapsing. And I think it's very simple. You've geared society towards failures. You've geared society towards those who break the rules. It's far more advantageous to break the rules than be a law-abiding person. And I didn't even get into the other clips of the politicians who break the rules. So we're living in a society where, Scott, they lied to us all over the years. Crime does pay. And you know what? The hours are good. Thanks for calling, Scott. I really appreciate it. All right, Kevin, how are you? Thanks for calling the show. 
Hey, Sean, how's it going? Wonderful. So I'm reminded of something that happened to me back in the 90s. But what's really sickening about this money thing is that if she would have punched that kid back in the face, she would have been brought up on charges of child abuse. I'm telling you, Kevin, I am so angry. You're exactly right. Would have been assaulting a minor and Bunny being handcuffed. Yep. I'm going to tell you what. The, the, the system we got isn't doing it. You remember when New York was imploding? You remember when New York was a crime hub and that guy came out with the red beret and they were like walking the streets? We gotta, we're going to have to start doing that again because the system that we have isn't working because more and more victims, you nope. watch the news tonight, more and more victims, more and more innocent people, and the virtue and the attention and the excuses are for the perpetrators. It's infuriating to me, Kevin. As somebody who's done the right thing their whole life, I want something, I go make more money, go work more jobs, play in the boundaries, yet look at who's, who thrives and who surrounds us. You know, I didn't even do the whole thing. I didn't touch upon Cullerton retiring. He's retiring. They're, they're all excited. They're tapping Mike Madigan's friend's phone. These guys have been raping the citizens for 50 years. They don't even know how much they're worth. What are you going to do? You're going to get them in trouble now they're 80 years old. It's diapers and nurses from here on out. They've, they've made a killing. And all the people who work and, and are honest, look at us. We're pigeons, brother. It's sickening to me. Thanks for calling the show, Kevin. Really, I'm just that, I'm just that fed up with it. What's the advantage of being a hardworking person who wants to do well? You've given all the benefits to those who don't, and you've used them to strip me of my property. In the meantime, I'm the bad guy, and it is I shouldn't get to keep anything. Or when I participate, there has to be other fees on it to pay for this. This is how you watch society collapse. Because when, when people realize, you know, what the hell am I doing working like a dog? What the hell is going on? Why am I doing that? Why am I paying this for my kid? Well, just get on the get on the bandwagon. And that's how ghettos are built. Lucas, thanks for calling the show. How are you, buddy? Hey, Sean. You know, we're talking about reward. You know, you give people benefits because, you know, they're struggling a little bit. Criminals don't care about, you know, the Section 8 housing or the benefits. They care about, you know, fulfilling their, their deed as a criminal. So they don't care. So what we need to do is not worry about the rewards. What we need to do is bring back gladiators. You know, when someone commits a petty crime like this, then we need to feed them to the lions. Yeah. Let them fight to the death, and then we'll, we'll eliminate the society no. that way. See, I'm going to tell you something. I, I have this argument, and I've talked about it with Dan. I think people are not inherently bad. I think people are inherently good and desire to communicate and get along with each other. I think this kind of behavior is taught, and I think this kind of behavior is incentivized. And, it, you know, there's, there was that old expression, the, the, the bigotry of low expectations, where you start to treat people like they're incapable Whereas if you treated people like they were capable, and I'm all for being charitable in certain instances. I really am. But let's be charitable with conditions, right? When somebody comes over to your house, there are rules, there are conditions. You can stay. We'd love to have you. But you've got to pick up after yourself. You've got to do yada, 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 and you have to act in a certain manner, or you don't get it. Think about how school would be, where if you didn't act accordingly, if you didn't do the work, you were thrown out, and that was it. You were ostracized. That's how you change things. You don't change things by continuing to reward bad behavior. I mean, I feel like we're dealing with two sets of rules, two sets of societies. And it's harder to be the one on the right side of things than it is the wrong side. At least that's how it looks to me. Thank you very much, Lucas, for calling the show. I appreciate it very much. We got time? Uh, uh, We don't have time. Listen, if you're on the line, I want to take you, especially uh, Verlan, Bart, please hang in there. Um, We're going to come back after this. I have a guest, though, right? We have a guest? 534. I'm going to try to get to you before the guest. We're going to clean up the phone calls. I'll try to get to you. But we have a very interesting guest about how the courts are also working to take away your rights. Because that court case against Remington, that's a big deal, kids. That's a big deal. It's legislative tyranny. We'll be back after this. I love this song. I do. I'll tell you what, the Supreme Court, I had the, you know, I, so many decisions that I just think stink. I'll never forget it was uh, John Roberts with Obamacare. I threw my hands up in the air. I said, listen, I could care less. Then fat judge in a little robe, Elena Kagan. What are your qualifications? You ever take a, not, you were a teacher. Oh, 
You're a teacher. Okay. Then go ahead and take over uh, society. That's, I mean, isn't that what they've done? And you know me, I'm a, I'm, I'm a stone Americanism-loving capitalist. Love the foundation. I love the idea that we have property rights. I hate the fact that we have become such a litigious society that the only real commercials you see on TV are a bunch of slip-and-fall attorneys trying to get us to sue each other for everything. Um, but I have a guest I want to bring on. But before I do, let's lead him in properly. Um, case the justices rule that a lawsuit in the Sandy Hook Elementary School mass killings can in fact proceed. A survivor and relatives of the victims filed a suit against the gunmaker Remington Arms. The company argued a 2005 federal law prevents lawsuits when their products are used to commit crimes. However, the justices rejected that appeal by the manufacturer. 21st graders and six educators were killed in the December 2012 massacre. And somehow this is Remington's fault. So I brought on an expert, Cam Edwards. Cam, how are you, buddy? I'm good. How are you? Wonderful, wonderful. I wanted to get you on here because you are a gun guru, right? And the way that I know about guns is because I was raised by a crazy Marine who used to hit me in the ear with a golf club if I missed the bullseye. That's all I know. Point and squeeze gently. Um, This ruling, though, this ruling is going to have ramifications that could lead to the devastation of the gun industry the way I think about it as I pan back. Am I wrong? Well, gun control advocates are certainly going to try to exploit this law. Uh, It it remains to be seen, I think, how uh, far-reaching this uh, uh, current decision is. Uh, Basically, the Supreme Court, you know, they're they're asked to hear about seven or 8,000 cases every year. They they only hear about 1%. So the odds that they were going to hear uh, Remington's appeal, especially this early on in the litigation, I think was um, probably a little optimistic, right? So what this decision does, or the lack of decision by the Supreme Court, is this sends this case back down to trial in Connecticut, where the Connecticut State Supreme Court ruled very narrowly, four to three, uh, that there's a provision in Connecticut state consumer law that allows for one argument uh, that the plaintiffs are making to proceed to trial, and that is that the marketing of the uh, Bushmaster AR-15 uh, somehow inspired uh, the killer, and I'm not going to use his name, but the, somehow inspired the killer in the Sandy Hook massacre uh, to kill his mom to steal uh, her gun and to use this in the commission of a crime. That's going to be, even the, the, the high court in Connecticut called it a Herculean effort uh, that the plaintiffs face to win this case, but they're allowing this case to proceed. Doesn't mean that they're going to win, uh, but what it does do is it opens the door to discovery, right? It allows gun control groups and their allies to try to dig into the papers of gun manufacturers and, and search for, you know, some sort of nefarious memo that would indicate that, uh, uh, you know, hey, Bob, wouldn't it be a great idea to market these guns to criminals? Again, they're not going to find it, but they're allowed uh, a certain leeway on a, on a fishing expedition now. And, Kim, doesn't it also open the doors for social justice jurors to award, in this case, the plaintiffs massive amounts of money, then opening the door for lawsuits just fill in the blank. I mean, in California, there's how many shootings this weekend? In Chicago, 27 shootings this weekend, which is considered light. New York, I mean, so hypothetically, mm-hmm. if I just pan back, I like to, mm-hmm. I like to take a step back. Where, where can it lead? And, you know, when you put your faith in a jury that is going to hear about the children, they're going to be sympathetic to that case. And I am extremely concerned that they're going to go down the path of making it financially unreasonable for gun manufacturers to exist. So if they can't get it on the front door by arguing the rights, which Mm -hmm. are, are rights, why not do the end around, which is a smart play. And I I mean, it could happen. It's possible. Correct. Well, listen, I think it's certainly the end goal of gun control advocates. You know, they tried to do this back in the late 1990s uh, when they got together with a lot of cities around the country and ended up trying to sue gun manufacturers. And it was sort of a death-by-a-thousand-cut strategy. Like, they never had a successful lawsuit. But, but they know that the gun manufacturers don't have deep pockets. Uh, and so they were trying to bankrupt them uh, through, you know, repeated litigation. I, I think you're likely to see that strategy rear its ugly head again. Uh, and in that way, you know, they don't even need to be successful. They don't need to have a jury come back with one of these, you know, multi-million dollar verdicts because it is going to be a real reach to, you know, to conclude that the marketing materials by Remington, which the, the killer may never have even seen, somehow inspired him 
to, to go into an elementary school and murder 20 elementary school children, right? I mean, that, that, that's a real reach, no matter how, uh, how much the, the jury might sympathize with the victims. Everybody sympathizes with the victims. Yeah. That doesn't mean that the advertising that Remington produced inspired this murder, which is what the jury would have to prove. Cam, you know why I, I thought it was going to lose? I thought this case would, you know, I thought this case was going to be just thrown out. There would never be an opportunity because as I, as you sit back and you look at what happens in, in our wars, how many foreign uh, uh, people are, are have their family taken from them from weapons? So now does the, I mean why not? Why doesn't this open the door to sue weapon manufacturers in America if you're you know an Iraqi who had his family wiped out? Why not? open the door to sue Ford for a DUI uh, death. I mean, I, I am just amazed that the judicial system in America would allow this on its merits to move forward. And, you know, if you let yourself think about how, how far this can go back, you could wipe out massive businesses at the sweep of a lawsuit. I mean, it can happen. It absolutely can. And I think that this issue goes far beyond just this one particular case. I mean, I think it really speaks to the need for tort reform. Uh, at a much larger level, including perhaps, you know, loser pays, uh, which would, I think, cut down on a number of frivolous lawsuits. But but you're right, particularly when you talk about, uh, you know, let's say uh, marketing and advertising for alcohol uh, versus the number of drunk driving accidents in this country, you know. And, and every advertisement we see on TV has that little tiny drink responsibly at the bottom. Uh, is that enough? Right. Uh, are we going to see some of these cases? If that is enough, by the way, then uh, is it enough for gun manufacturers to put in tiny little letters at the bottom of their ads? Own guns responsibly. I, you know, I don't know where we're going to go with this case. Again, it goes back down to uh, the states and it's going to proceed to trial probably sometime. But right now they've got another discovery period, but probably sometime in 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is, I think, again, going to be a pretty large hurdle for the plaintiffs to clear in order for the jury to decide with them. But I think it's I think you're right. I think there's a, a much greater chance that we are going to see more of these lawsuits filed, uh, whether or not, you know, they're, they're a success from uh, the point of view of, of getting a big jury verdict. Now, I want to ask you a question because you're a gun guy and I know how hard is it to make a gun? How hard is it to make one of these guns if I wanted to make one? Uh, you know, I think it would depend on on your mechanical uh, inclinations. Uh, for some people, it, it's going to be. Uh, you know, more of a learning curve. But if you wanted to do it, you wanted to put in the effort, there are plenty of videos available online. Uh, there are folks who, you know, make their own guns as a hobby. Uh, I think recent advances in, you know, CNC machines and even 3D printing uh, have certainly expedited the process and then lowered the, the learning curve to make firearms. Um, and, and I think that's going to continue, uh, frankly, as we continue to see, you know, advances in technology in that regard. You know what this makes me feel like, Cam? It makes me feel like that when I watched that movie Demolition Man, that I was going to be that guy living in the sewer eating rat burgers. I mean, you believe where we're going with this society? Can you believe how crazy things are getting? Where once again, the law-abiding person is being put through the pepper mill. It's just amazing to me. Well, you know, what we've seen, I think, is that um, there are a lot of us that want that easy answer. And yeah. politicians are, are, are happy to give it to them. You know, and the easy answer that the politicians propose is, uh, listen, non-gun owners, all you have to do is pass a law that won't impact you one bit. Uh, and, and if you are a gun owner, we promise you it's not going to impact you one bit. I uh, Just pass this law and everything will, will be better. Everything will be safer. And unfortunately, you know, what we've seen, uh, Baltimore, Maryland, they, uh, you know, Maryland passed their Fire Safety Act in 2013. Baltimore just had its fifth straight year of 300-plus homicides. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a record high rate. Uh, California, their violent crimes have been going up the last three or four years. Colorado, 2013, passed a magazine ban. They passed a semi-auto ban. And since then, violent crimes increased by 25%. You know, we can't ban our way to safety, no matter how much politicians uh-huh. might promise it. But the truth is that the, the answers to bringing down violent crime, to stopping these types of targeted attacks, they're out there. But they definitely don't involve new laws. They involve new strategies for law enforcement. And politicians can't take credit for that, which is why we don't hear much talk about it. Now, Cam, real quick, hypothetically. 25 feet, 25 handgun, rabbit on the run. For a guy to shoot that on the first shot and hit the rabbit, that's a hell of a shot, isn't it? I think it's a pretty good shot. All right, excellent. You made me feel good. Hypothetically, that might have happened to me. Thank you so much for joining me. I truly do appreciate it. I hope you join us again. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. It's a lot of, a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you. 
always be a DJ in my South Florida discotheque. I've even got the name. Oh, yeah. Not going to tell you in case, you know, a lot of guys out there want to steal my ideas. All right, let's go to the phone lines. John, thank you so much for calling. How are you? Fine, thank you. Um, you know, the situation we have here is a judge legislating from the bench. Oh. And um, the problem with this is it gets to the point where somebody drives a Chevrolet to rob a bank, you sue General Motors. And this can easily spread to other industries. That's why they came up with that lawful manufacturing clause to prevent this sort of thing. But the judge turned it all around. It's, 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 it's insane to me, because if you think about it logically, why aren't alcoholics suing liquor companies? I mean, everybody's a victim in our society, right? And you just ask a it good attorney. Happen. You just ask a good attorney. And you know, most of these judges that give these political decisions are Obama appointees. Well, That's we, another thing I've noticed. But you've got to keep in mind, look at, look at in, in the Supreme Court, the judges who are supposed to be conservative, and look at how they rule. The ones who have driven... How about Roberts? That's what I mean. That's that. That's a conservative, and 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 the others aren't much better. In fact, in this ruling, how could a a, a proposed conservative possibly possibly sit idly by and go along with this? I, I it's it's just a disappointment. I, I'm telling you, it's a flaw in the system, and the idea that these whether it's five a mixture of liberals and conservative or, or they're not liberals, they're socialists. Here, uh, you know, here's the thing, though. We'll go back in time a little bit, a little bit of history to 2006 or five, when they passed the Lawful Manufacturing Act. They got a letter from the Pentagon that went around all the senators and congressmen, and it told them, if you allow this to, go, to happen, to where all this money gets spent on lawyers defending these gun companies, eventually you put them out of business, who do we rely on then for our firearms? You have to go to countries that are overseas. You have to go to China, Russia, Israel, Africa, etc., South America, because you won't have any gun companies left in the United States. Well, this is what brought about that legislation. And I'll tell you another thing, John. That's why I brought it up with Cam. It just was released. We spent nearly $7 trillion since September 11th on these wars. $7 trillion. Over 800,000 people killed. Why don't their families have lawsuits against American weapon makers? And these wars are not fought to a decision. Yeah, well, of course not. See, it's up. You know, the first, for first example, limited warfare was Korea back in 1950. Yeah. And there were a lot of complaints about the United States not using the, what they had, the atomic bomb, to just end everything in about an hour. Well, I, and this was the beginning of limited warfare. I'll tell you what, the, whole, the, the, the older I get, the more I understand why old men are mad at Panera. Thank you so much, John, for calling the show. Jason, how are you, buddy? Hey, Jason. Oh, hey, Sean. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good, good. Thanks. I've been looking forward for a chance to give a call. Um, the, uh, you know, the worst-case scenario has actually already happened by that lawsuit going forward. Uh, worst-case scenario is they settle, and now you've got encouragement of all these uh, violent people in the cities now further encouraged to engage in gun violence because, hey, if they didn't do a gunfight and they got shot, now they can scrape up a couple of thousand from gun manufacturer, too. Yeah. Well, here, this weekend just produced uh, 27 victims, 27 lawsuits. Why not? Why not sue the gunman? Exactly. Exactly. You're talking about people who systematically will try and draw beatings from the police because they know the city settles. All gun manufacturers do the same. Yeah. Jason, listen, thanks for calling the show. Hope I get to meet you in the re-education camps. We'll be back after this. 312-642-5600. to smoke the cigar. Can't do that. A lot of nuts. A lot of not able to do here in the studio. Another thing we're not able to do is apparently identify socialism. Now we, conservatives, we uh, Republicans by default, as it would be, can all agree that the Democrats are Soviets. 
We can all agree that the Democrats' primary fiscal options are different versions of communism. Control, Trotskyites, Leninists, all-out South American socialists. We, I mean, that's, that's their whole game plan, right? So I could bore you with AOC. I could bore you with Bernie or high cheekbones that Chuck Connors look alike, American Indian, my rear, Elizabeth Warren. Could all, you know, and their stupidity. Even uh, the new guy, Mayor Pete, right? By the way, up 10 points. Did you see that? Up 10 points over the three big depends wearers. That's why he's up there. He's the only guy that doesn't look like he needs assistance down the stairs. Um, but what's brought us to the point we're at, and my argument with Republicans and my argument sometimes with Donald Trump a lot of the times, my argument in, 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 as far back as 40 years ago, when you started to understand what really built America, I wonder, was it government corruption in the form of subsidies to, to, to favorite industries and companies? I don't think it was. In fact, I think you could trace back to when government started to have punitive actions. Look at my guy. Is that beautiful? To, since when government started to view our assets as theirs that they let us keep. Right? Isn't that when things really started to go awry? When they started to decide where, their limit, where limitations would be on our, on our earnings where limitations would be on uh, our companies and how they could create bureaucracies with the power of law to rule over us to where we had no defense. Small companies, small entrepreneurs really couldn't fight off the kind of bureaucracies that have led to the, uh, the exportation of business and the exportation of, of, of capitalism, for that matter. But instead of us recognizing that, and us embracing what built America, which is the property rights bestowed upon us that this country is built on, recognized. That's all. They weren't bestowed. That's the wrong word. They were recognized. You have property rights. You are a human being. You have rights to your labor. You have rights to your intellect. You have rights to what you produce. They, they, they constantly inundate us with this iron-fisted collectivism where somehow the government gets to arbitrate fairness. And they all misuse the word fairness. They all misuse the word compassion. And one, one in particular, the politicians that have sickened me are the Mitt Romney Republicans, or the even more deceitful, the Marco Rubios with that comb over, that you're not fooling anybody, Baldy. Okay? Marco Rubio sickens me because he's a subsidized Republican. He's like Gerald Ford. Gerald Ford was paid off by the onion lobby to price. Did you know that? Price control onions was Gerald Ford. Yeah, something that's stupid. And it nearly imploded the onion market. Go ahead, look it up. Google me. As my wife likes to say, Google them. Go ahead, Google me. Marco Rubio is a subsidized political prostitute who uses the power of government to keep sugar subsidies and sugar pricing to where Americans are paying double for sugar, what we what the rest of the world is, and they don't care because they don't know, because it is a completely closed market, and it is truly corruption. It's, it's corporatism. That's what the Republicans practice. Democrats practice socialism. Republicans practice corporatism. And it's a, a redistribution. I had Jim uh, Minardi, the fitness freak, here at the studio. You know, we always say Fabian socialism. You always say why? Why do you say it? And the reason that I say it is because it's more pervasive, it's more devastating than regular socialism. Regular socialism, we come together as a people and say, what are you, nuts? We don't want it. Some of us don't. Some of us are all in, and we like that. We like to have a little camaraderie in our, in our envy and our failure. So those are the socialists. Those are the Democrats. The Republicans say, no, 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 we don't want it. So what the Fabians understood, these are the, the European socialists, they understood that there could be a hybrid they felt there could be a compassionate socialism, which only existed because government allowed it to, because after all, they're the smartest people. They're the Fabians. And they would allow you to operate within the parameters of their restrictions, as long as they were your partners with no, no real risk. And Marco Rubio summed that up in a discussion he was having at a university, 
where he tried to sell us on the idea that there is a social engineered version of capitalism and that free market capitalism that built most of our legacy wealth and the and the industrial revolution and the wealth of our nation that was bad in other words he poses the exact same argument as that Chuck Connors lookalike who wants you to believe she's an Indian. It's the same kind of argument where only the government gets to decide. On the political right, where I come from, we've become defenders of the right of businesses to make a profit, the right of shareholders to receive a return on their investment, and the obligation that people have to work. All these things are true. But we have neglected the rights of workers to share in the benefits they create for their employer. And we've neglected the obligation of businesses to act also in the best interest of the workers and ultimately of the country that have made that success possible. The political left is an enthusiastic champion of everyone's right to free everything. And they never shy from reminding us of businesses' obligations to share with their workers and the government. But they rarely focus on our obligation to work and do not focus nearly enough on a business's right to make a profit. This, this false choice between these two extreme points of view, that's what we faced in this country for almost three decades. See, what he's rehashing with, with, a, with a buffer, what he's polished up, is the proletariat bourgeoisie argument. And that government is the one who can orchestrate that relationship to keep the, the bourgeoisie restrained so that the proletariat can share. As if the proletariat improving his life with the work were not enough. See, what they both hate, what both are both arms of government hate is the idea that you are in control of your life and your dignity. That you can interpret your earnings and your wealth. They think you're too stupid to do it. The Republicans think you're too stupid to know it. So they want to do it through regulation. The, the Democrats know you're too stupid to do it, and they want to do it through iron-fisted tyranny. But make no mistake, they are two heads of the same monster. They're the ones that bow us to pay homage to a totalitarian government led by these people. Now, let me start by saying that I am an enormous supporter of free enterprise. Free enterprise made America the most prosperous nation in human history. Watch, there's a but. But the prosperity that it created, it created profits for businesses. But that prosperity wasn't just about making a profit. It was also about the creation, the availability, and the durability of dignified work for people. Our strength, America's strength, doesn't come from the size of our economy alone but also from how that success went on to serve the broader national interest. Out of his argument, like Elizabeth Warren, like Ocasio-Cortez, is your individuality. He gets to decide what dignified work is. It's, 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 it's truly mind-boggling, and it's a nuanced difference. That's why I laugh as socialists pretend there's a difference between the Stalinist and the Trotskyite. Oh, one is more genteel. One doesn't want to kill people. No, no, no. Instead of the capitalism that rewarded and and asked you to take pride in every single thing you did. There was a capitalist that nobody talks about as a capitalist because he's more known as a reverend. And he had a speech years ago. I was a kid when I heard it. I had to do a study on him. I want you to just listen to this. What I'm saying to you this morning, my friend... Even if it falls your lot to be a street sweeper. Go on out and sweep streets like Michelangelo painted these pictures. Sweep streets like Handel and Beethoven composed music. Sweep streets like Shakespeare wrote poetry. Sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will have to pause and say, Here lived a great street sweeper who swept his job well. If you can't be a pine on the top of a hill, be a scrub in the valley, but be the best little scrub on the side of the rill. Be a bush if you can't be a tree. If you can't be a highway, just be a trail. If you can't be the sun, be a star. It isn't by size that you win or you fail. Be the best of whatever you are. 
And when you do this, when you do this, you've mastered the length of life. This onward push to the end of self-fulfillment is the end of a person's life. The dignity comes from you doing it, not the work. The idea that bureaucrats like this fraud, Marco Rubio, or this buffoon con artist, Elizabeth Warren, or the communist Bernie Sanders, can somehow delegate dignity through telling you, you you've got it because you live, therefore you have it. Versus the dignity that comes from within, from you, proving not to others, proving to yourself. Dignity, life, cannot be orchestrated from a government. It can only be done from inside you. Marco Rubio is a con artist. Him and Republicans like him should be shunned. For the Fabian socialists, they are. That is a more pervasive cancer of a party than the opposition to capitalism and socialism. That is a deceit. That is something that wants to rule you from Mount High for your own Does our country exist to serve the interests of the market? Or does the market exist to serve the interests of our nation and of our people? Isn't he so prophetic? Or is he just a different version of Elizabeth Warren, the fraud that he is, as he goes monthly to collect his payoffs called contributions from the sugar lobby? Scumbag. That's to be rejected. We'll be back after this. 312-642-5600. You know what? So nice to see a full board. Because I was told this would be boring. I was told, let's just regurgitate the same talking points of the days of our lives we see on every other show. I'm not doing that. But we're going to fix things here. We're going to slap away the propaganda. We're going to have a good time doing it. Because the reality is, I'm tying this all in. The problem with our economy, the problem with our reality, isn't the opposition. There always is going to be one. There always has been communists. Failures with a mission. The problem is, we as capitalists have lost our way. Randy. Thank you so much for calling the show. How are you? How you doing, Sean? Hey, you know the problem with the people like the Marco Rubios of the world and these people that say, well, we need to do more for the workers? I don't disagree that we should take care of the workers and their weekly paycheck. The problem with their ideology is they don't recognize that the worker has no long-term skin in the game. If the company starts struggling, does the worker give back? No. If the company bellies up and the employer has to go and sell his house to pay his debt is the employee the former employee going to sell his house to help pay the debt no that's why the cap the true capitalist that risk everything to get on top should never be questioned unless he's doing something illegal unethical immoral that's a different story altogether well that's a legal thing the other thing is randy the worker does have a vested interest in the in in the capitalist that his boss's uh well-being because if the if the boss goes sideways the worker gets fired the symbiotic relationship comes from the successful mission of whatever that industry or job is so to me it, it, it it's a it's a relationship that doesn't need a government in it especially when that government is taxing the worker aggressively in the name of fairness. Think about what the worker loses with insurance, especially under this new Obamacare, how much the industry, on average, $20,000 a worker your company pays for you. Think about how much money the worker loses in in the hidden taxation of, of the Social Security tax. How you not only contribute to Social Security, your employer does. How does the worker lose on every front where they demonize the employer in the name of profits the whole time taking money out of everyone's pocket? See, the Marco Rubios are no more on your side than the Elizabeth Warrens are. They're just fighting for a better position of the same lie. When the idea is the taxes come out of your check, that was supposed to be temporary after World War II. Did you know that? Yeah, that was only supposed to be temporary. See, because a citizen that wrote his taxes yearly or quarterly to the government would be aware and be engaged. They don't want you to think of the bigger picture. They just want you to feel like they're fighting for you. It's the same con job, only promised under better management. And we need to get back to the principles of things if we're going to correct them. Don, 
Thank you so much for calling. How are you? Sean, uh, Marco Rubio speaks out of both sides of his mouth, and uh, he, he's only trying to get elected to something. I don't know what yet, but he's lost once. But, but what you're saying, you might as well be speaking Ukrainian because the majority of people, especially college grads, yeah. uh, recent college grads, don't understand a word of what you're talking about. A recent college grad thinks that the, the reason a corporation exists is to provide benefits and money for their employees. They don't understand that the reason a corporation exists is to, to show profit to its shareholders. I'm a contractor. My job is to provide work for my guys so that they can work 52 weeks a year. And that's my responsibility. Their responsibility is to get the work done in a timely fashion and to my expectations, and we all benefit. That's and, all. And you know what else benefits is if you inspire one of those workers and he sees a need or, or, or an opportunity, and he goes off on his own to, to fulfill it. Absolutely. It's the only country in the world you can do that. But, Don, I'm going to tell you something right now. You want to know the easiest way for me to do this job is to do it the way everybody else does. Because if I wanted to be one of these rah-rah cheerleaders, let me tell you something, brother. I'd do it better than anybody. But to me, that's not what talk radio is supposed to be. To me, this is the think tank for the ordinary man. This is where issues are discussed and solutions are born. Because you're not going to get it through the current political system. Because you know what I'm holding off here on? I want, you to, I want to read this to you. Trump's tweet yesterday. Our great farmers will receive another major round of cash. Compliments of China. My money. Wait a minute. Compliments of China tariffs. Prior to Thanksgiving. The smaller farms and farmers will be big beneficiaries. In the meantime, and as you may have noticed, China is starting to buy big again. Japan deal done. Enjoy! Exclamation mark. You see, what he's doing is the same redistribution the Democrats right. want to do. He's picked his industry, and he's lied about where the money comes from, because it is your money. It's everybody's money who chooses to have choice. That's a redistribution of wealth in the same way Bernie Sanders wants to do it. So when the, when the options are two versions of the same totalitarianism, the people lose. And if we're going to fix it, Don, it's not going to come from me up here telling you how great the big guy is. It's not going to come from me here telling you, look at how great it is. Forget about the idea where it's frauded. It's going to come from, from all of us, and especially the young, understanding what has happened as both Marco Rubio's of the world and the Ocasio-Cortez's rewrite history in order to steal our future. And that's what they're both doing. These are the same arguments against property rights, against freedom, against capitalism, that South America stole the future of those South Americans. This is the same nonsense. It was done under a better form of capitalism, a more orchestrated, a more fair, a more common good. The minute you hear these words, common good, that's, that is such a restraint on people and such a control of society. We might as well start going with that Venezuela costumes now. Dan, thank you so much for joining the show. How are you? Hey, Sean. I love your tenacity. I love your enthusiasm. Well, you. I love that you're Italian. A half, I'm half. I'm DeRosa. Oh, really? My last name is DeRosa, okay? Best family, best family in Melrose Park, one of them. I don't know if you're affiliated with them. I'm going to tell, tell you something right now. Hey, you like a liberal joke? All right, go ahead. How do you confuse a liberal? How? With facts and logic. Thank you. Dan. Hey. Yes. And you know what? Another one. I got another one. All right. Uh, what's black and tan that looks good on a liberal? A Rottweiler. Oh, look at what he did. Thank you, Dan, for calling the jokes. All right. Whew, didn't know where that last one was going, Venus. Got a little nervous. All right, Joey. How are you? Thanks for calling the show. <laughs> I'm doing better than I deserve. How are you doing, Sean? Wonderful, wonderful. Not as good as I deserve. Yeah. See what I did there? Go ahead. Uh, no, my. Uh, I, well, I heard you in the last uh, segment say that how the left and the right are both two sides of the same point, and I will add to that okay. by saying that they are the same in the, in, in the sense that they both believe in universal suffrage, whereas for, like they both believe that they don't, but neither party is going to come out and say the problem is that we need to restrict the franchise, that too many people are voting, too many people that just want free stuff. Uh, oh. Because to, if any politician to admit that would be committing political suicide. Yeah, it's, and you know something, that's why and, good, and that's why good people don't run for office. How are good people going to stand up there and say, you know. And, and, I, and as far as Marco Rubio, he's doing what he's supposed to do. Mark, Mark, he, human beings have never changed with time immemorial. They're always greedy and power hungry. Marco Rubio is just trying to stay relevant. 
he realizes that the Overton window, which is the range of political discourse, which what you can talk about, is shifting more and more to the left. Yeah. Every generation is more and more to the left. But even our even our God Emperor Trump used to be a Democrat, in case a lot of us forgot. Joey, I appreciate the call very much, but here's the the thing that the other thing that's happened. Greed has switched from the man who wants somebody else's money to the man who wants to keep his own. You're not greedy if you want to keep your own money. You're damn greedy if you want to steal your neighbors. 312-642-5600. You know why I fight it so hard? Because this is how it all started in Illinois. It all started when government started to mention fairness. It all started when government started to mention equality. And you know what? We're, we're living in a society now in America or in Chicago in particular. I always say we're the destination of government failure. And this Mike Madigan story, I, I got to tell you, it, it cracks me up. It cracks me up. His friend, Michael McClan. You notice how they're all, it's all the Irish mafia, a bunch of yard gnomes all running around with endless power. Scoundrels. 80 years old. 80. They shook down ComEd. When you're shaking down ComEd, that's power, brother. And ComEd used them. ComEd used them. You know how they used them? $2 billion. We're giving ComEd $2 billion, the people of Illinois. It is corruption through and through. And it all starts through the words fairness or compassion or equality. And in the meantime, Mike Madigan's a god among men. That's why they sell it. That's why Marco Rubio sells it. That's why Mike Madigan sells it. It's why Bernie Sanders, the failure that he is. It's why the Soviet Union sold it. Because the government had become gods. And what's going to happen? This is my greatest how, how I, I have people that, aren't you glad to see that he, what are you nuts? He's been doing this for 50 years, living like a king, literally like a god. Oh, gee, he's 77, 78 years old. Come on. Now we're going to end up paying for this son of a gun in his old age. Three meat, three, what is it? Uh, uh, three squares in a cot? Right? Something like that? Listen to this. Many parents in this country are struggling with the growing cost of raising children. Same thing. Same And few way. can afford taking unpaid leave when a child is born. In fact, what's most ironic about it is that the more money you make, the likelier you are to have paid family leave. And the less money you make, the more you need it, and the less likely you are to have it. Now, the market which, again, I believe in. Yeah, sure you The do. market does not account for the benefits to our country of parental engagement, especially what? in the early days of that child's life. But good, common good capitalism does. That's why I've worked to expand the federal per-child tax credit. And that's why I've proposed creating an option for paid parental leave that, by the way, doesn't raise taxes or grow the debt or place any mandates on businesses. It's welfare. He's promoting welfare. A child-earned tax credit is a word salad for you having kids, you getting money. It is the same speech of Elizabeth Warren. It is the same speech of Bernie uh, Sanders. It's the same scam. And that it used to be what a conservative Republican. That's how he touts himself. I know because I remember when he came to Chicago, he was the conservative Republican. Bill. Thanks for calling the show. How are you? Bill, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. How are you, buddy? Is this Sean? It is. Okay, the volume went way down, Sean. Sorry. No problem. You know, I studied capitalism and communism in high school, and I observed these political systems and, you know, capitalism over the years, and I came to the conclusion that I'm about 70-something and the only difference between Democrats and Republicans is the Democrats want what you got all at once, and the Republicans are willing to take it a little piece at a time. And now the newest incursion in your freedom is this real ID. That's the first bite out of the apple to restrict your travel. Can you believe, Bill, that these ideas that are being sold, child-earned income credits and leave, paid leave, these are presented now by what used to be conservative Republicans. Bill, I'm as blown away as the same kind of so-called conservatives who are so corrupted with the sugar lobby to protect the price fixing. I am just so disappointed 
in my fellow American citizen who can no longer distinguish between freedom and slavery. Because this is a, to accept this kind of talk is to take on that uh, that slave mentality that Nietzsche warned us about, how all people really are desired to be slaves. They just want to like their master. Bill, it's it's depressing. And by the way, you sound wonderful for 70 something. I hope you hang in there and I hope to meet you. Thank you. Thank you. I hope I hang around another 10 or more anyway. Yeah, me too. I'll see see you in there. Thank you very much. I'll see you in the the, uh, re-education camps. Oh, we got a caller on the line. I really want to take him. We don't, is it 45 seconds for the show? No, okay. All right, so listen, if you're on the line, I'm going to take you when I get back. I have commercials. You know what happens? I go along. I make Venus very mad. Then he has to put him in the back of the show. But this, to me, is what a radio show is. This, to me, this is the, the ordinary man think tank. This is the Green Dragon Tavern. And if you don't know what that is, you should. You better look it up. Because I got news for you. It's the same kind of servitude. That those freedom fighters came together and decided to throw the tyranny off. We're going through it all over again. And it's put on this time by both parties. Let me tell you something. I'm amazed at what the Republicans are selling you. They're already talking about a QE5. They're having secret meetings with negative interest rates. They're already talking about the same punitive penalizing the worker in the name of the common good. It's nonsense. 312-642-5600. These mics aren't recording when uh, when that show's on, right? Whew. That's a good one, there, kid. I got to tell you, I'm going to take the call, but I'm just I'm just blown away by this guy. What we need is to restore common good capitalism. What is common good capitalism? It's a system of free enterprise in which workers fulfill their obligation to work and they enjoy the benefits of their work, and where businesses enjoy their right to make a profit. And reinvest not enough much. of those profits to create dignified work for the workers and for America. Reinvest those profits. And know? our current government policies today get this wrong. We actually reward and incentivize certain business practices that promote economic growth, but it's growth that often solely benefits shareholders at the nothing, expense of new jobs and better pay. Nothing solely benefits shareholders, you moron. You idiot. The workers take their money and they make things. They buy things. They create things. They inhabit things. Do you believe this? This is the same AOC stuff. And you know what's really disgusting? I happen to have the best friend best friend of my life. I don't know if I told you. I was a kid, four years old, pal around with him. His name's Ivan. Cuban. His father was here when Fidel took over and slaughtered everybody. That scumbag Rivera. The Cuban people are some of the most freedom-loving American patriotic son-of-a-guns on the planet. And this son-of-a-gun is a disgrace. He's talking more like the, the Castros than he is like the founders. It's a disgrace to me. It truly is. Tom, thanks for calling the show. How are you, buddy? Hi, Sean. Well, he most certainly does not sound like the founders. And I've been off offline most of the day. I heard what you played. And you know what it sounds like to me? is this Catholic integralism that is getting pushed by our friends over at First Things Magazine. They were at your uh, your Freedom Fest. I wasn't there, but I- I'm very familiar with their writings. The writings of Sora Bamari that's taken on uh, classical liberals like David French and, uh, and Tucker Carlson and uh, Elizabeth Warren. Uh, it's all... It's more about bringing the government in, but in his case, trying to bring the church into the government. And I think, uh, I think anyone that's done their history is, uh, has seen this over the centuries. And uh, it almost appears to me it's uh, some of the Trumpists doing his, uh, I didn't get into the weeds on a phone call, but it's, it's part Catholic integralism, and part of it is to uh, explain Trumpism. Well, I, what, I've, what I've noticed about Trumpism, what I recognize and what I rejected is that it's populism. And populism is a, populism is, a, is, is a form of government control of macro issues. It is about an overarching power in the most basic of business. And, and that is that collectivism that people like me and you and conservatives and the Tea Party and all of the things we reject 
from socialists. And in the meantime, what you're witnessing, this guy was touted as a true alternative, as a capitalist, as a conservative. Marco Rubio was the it girl eight years ago. Am I right? Listen to him versus AOC. It's the same stuff. And I'm going to tell you something, Tom. That's how a society is overthrown from within. And you've seen it. I've seen it in certain industries, in certain businesses, in all. What can you do without government stamp? What can you do? Look at the the pervasiveness in which they capitalize themselves and the corruption that it allows. Whether it's Mike Madigan and his friends shaking down ComEd, for God's sakes. How does a small business stand a chance? It all is the same. It is the same corruption. It is the same corporatism. It is the same. You are the slave. The idea that we lull ourselves to sleep by saying, oh, it's America. The greatest place. It's a republic. This is a Republican. It's not a republic. You're not in a republic. You're in some South American semi-socialist totalitarian we let you keep your stuff because we haven't got around to taking it yet type system. And the idea that the alternative to the socialist is the Rubio. What are you kidding me? I mean, so I'm going to listen. I'm going to put it. I think it's, it's, it's important to fight it back. It's important to identify it. There's no question. I get a lot of hate, a lot of hate. Oh, he bashes Trump too much. He should be a cheerleader like the rest of them. It's not going to happen. Okay. But what I do think is important is that we make the choice, the lesser of two evils, for lack of a better phrase. Okay, I understand. I'm on board. I'm going to vote Trump over any of the Democrat socialists. But I'm going to damn well work to correct the corruption, the corporatism, and the socialism within that party. Whether it's, it's bailing out farmers, whether it's the idea that, that we're, we're ignoring the force for negative interest rates as they had the secret meeting with Powell this morning. Well, that's not right. That's not right that we're pushing around debt, that the market is already talking about a QE5. Who even talked about a QE4? That we're at $23 trillion? That the deficits are at a trillion damn dollars. Whole conservative movement started over $800 billion. We've accumulated that in three months. I'll be back tomorrow for Chicago Slap and Tickle Drive Time. Maybe a little more tickle tomorrow. But I got to tell you, I was, I'm hot. Aunt Bunny got hit in the face. You know, she brings the Mexican dip to the parties. It's the best ever. If this screws up the Mexican dip, I'm going to look for these son of a guns. All right, we'll be back tomorrow, 5 to 7. I've had a great time. Thank you. Thank you.